Oh, hello. Live from Hollywood, California for the All-Star Game. Uh, this is Slow Your Roll. I am Jesse Caulfield, writer for the Yaki Report. This is Dominic Lorenzano. Uh, not so local anymore. Yes. Uh, broadcaster as we're live from second base in Dodger Stadium. As they get ready for the home run derby around us. Yeah. The hype is real. Totally. And this is not videotaped, so we could totally be saying this, and you guys don't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. Did I say the date? I'm going to say it again anyway. Monday, July 18th. Mm -hmm. Back on a Monday. Quick turnaround, since we just did this on Thursday. Yeah, it is. Had to catch that flight, you know? (laughs) Um, No, we're not in California. We are not. I would never go to California. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I probably would again. For this, I would. Sure. But, like, just for fun? No. no that's not fun. No, not just for no, fun. No, no, no. no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> we don't get paid for this yet. No. Um, but we have... We were going to at one point. A special show, <laughs> but somebody... Somebody sold the radio station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, but we have a, a special show for you today. It is... All-Star Week for the MLB. Mm-hmm. So we're going to basically recap a little bit of the first half. Look yeah. forward maybe a little bit of the second half. Yeah, this is our first half of the MLB season in review show. So we're going to have awards to hand out. Some teams that we talked about to start the year. Some of our dark horses or teams we didn't buy. Stuff like that. Um, and give them some grades. Um, and I'm going to have a few bets for the second half of the year. If uh, you're one of those people who likes to make bets on like futures, you know, guys winning divisions and stuff like that. So futures, futures. And we're going to have an entire Sox talk on their first half in review. Not good times uh, for the Red Sox at Mm. the moment. Yeah. (laughs) But like, I don't know that that that's that's the show. So might as well get it started then. Yeah, let's get it started. So. I promise from this point on it's going to be baseball talk. But I am starting yeah. back with what well, I talked about yesterday. The Tommy's still here. Oh, and the Tommy Report's still here as well. But anyway, so I am going to start back up, though, with a topic that I talked about yesterday. And that is Jimmy Garoppolo to Seattle. Now, I'm going to go another way with this after talking about just the Jimmy G to Seattle part, which is also when is it appropriate to tank and when it's not appropriate to tank? Because I feel like a lot of times tanking gets a bad rep now and people don't think it works. I'm going to point out that it does work. But if your ownership just sucks, then like your ownership just sucks. It's not tanking. You just suck. Um, But anyway, for for the last part on the Jimmy G stuff, why I'm going to come up with the next thing for why I think this is really, really stupid. Okay. So Jimmy Garoppolo is injury prone and we're going to put him behind a terrible offensive line in Seattle. Let me tell you just how injury prone he is when you really think about it. He is in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, someone who schemes up an offense and makes life easy for a quarterback unlike anyone else in the NFL. A run first physical run approach team. They don't even ask Garoppolo to throw that much. And when they do ask Garoppolo to throw, this ain't Bruce Arians' uh If you don't risk it, no biscuit. Let's make Garoppolo hold the ball forever and chuck the ball deep down the field. None of that. This is a cushy offensive system that is meant to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly to reads that are right there in front of them and to be a run-first approach. And Garoppolo still has problems staying healthy. 
with Kyle Shanahan, that offensive line, and that run game. Garoppolo still can't stay healthy. Now I'm going to put him in Seattle with Pete Carroll. DK Metcalf likes to go deep. Tyler Lockett likes to go deep. Terrible offensive line. Pete Carroll might be a run-first guy, but they haven't run the ball all that well in about three years. So that's not going to be any better than that. That's just how hard it is for Garoppolo to stay healthy despite the situation he is in. And you're going to put him in a terrible situation in Seattle. It makes absolutely no sense. He won't stay healthy. Even if he does stay healthy in that terrible roster that is the Seahawks, he's probably only good for another two or three wins, which really all that does is take you out of a top five pick and puts you at number nine. And now maybe you can't get one of the three best quarterbacks. And there's nothing else around them. And there's absolute the reason now for them to get a quarterback and rebuild. This makes absolutely no sense for Seattle. I don't get it. Um, the next one, though. People, oh my gosh, there's a stigma around tanking. It doesn't work sometimes. Nobody wants to hear it, and I get it. You want to have a culture of winning. And by the way, organizations tank, coaches and players don't tank. And that's the correct way to do it. You should never tell your coaching staff, I want you to intentionally lose games. Or your players, I want you to intentionally lose games. That's how you seep in the bad culture part. But... There's nothing wrong with saying, listen, we are at a crossroads here and it's time to go in a new direction. And that means that we are going to have to tear everything down to the studs and start over. It seems to have worked pretty well for the Cincinnati Bengals now who were able to draft Joe Burrow, get Jamar Chase, and now they've made a Super Bowl. The Houston Astros were tanking for a while. They acquired a ton of great prospects and drafted extremely well, and now they've been a World Series contender for what, like five years, six years now? They were one of the first real aggressive tank jobs that I'd ever really seen in Major League Baseball. So it's worked pretty well for there. Say what you want about Miami. Miami is at least in a better place today than they were when they were tanking. Maybe two is the guy, maybe he's not, but he's had some better seasons since then. So tanking can absolutely work. Now, I wouldn't call it tanking because of the stigma. I would just say that our organization is in a rebuilding phase. And I was talking to somebody about this earlier. Shout out to uh, my friend, Mike D'Amico, who also I uh, work out with. We, were, we, we talk this kind of stuff all the time. And he was, he was bringing up the culture thing. And I said, think about it as if it was a business. Let's say that you own your building that your business is in. But you need a new building and you already have it set pretty much in stone that you're going to move your office and move your place, right? You're not going to yeah. spend big money on your building now, are you? If you're planning to move in six to eight months? No. Think That's the exact same way when you're at these crossroads. Why am I going to spend big money on the roster, the building, if we're going to have to change everything up anyway within the next year or two? Or in sports terms, a year or less. So think of it that way, because I get that you don't want that culture, but if you keep it at the top, at just the organizational level, right? Don't say the words tanking, and you keep it at that organizational level, it's totally fine. It won't seep into the culture. When we talk about teams like the Jets, and the Lions, and the Giants, and I mean, the Angels in baseball and stuff like that. Right? Well, the Angels throw a lot of money around. They do, but they tanked for a little bit. But when we talk about these bad organizations, Pittsburgh Pirates, 
When we talk about these bad organizations, we ought to then use that as the example. Tanking doesn't work. No, it doesn't work because you're the Jets. That's why it doesn't work. Because you're the Detroit Lions. Because your owner's an idiot. And your front (laughs) office is incompetent. It wouldn't matter what your strategy is. You have full of incompetence in the building. That's why it doesn't work. There is absolutely a time and a place for tanking. And when you're in this situation, here's a football, I really see it this way. The window is closed. Our quarterback is either old or injured and expensive. Now it's time. That's, that's when it's time to tank, in my opinion, for the most part. Right? I, sh- I guess. Or you have multiple bad contracts with aging players who are no longer successful. Time to tank. Seattle had that. Seattle had no picks. They were paying Jamal Adams a lot of money. They paying Wagner a lot of money. They were still paying some other people. They had cut money. So things like that. You could make the argument that Pittsburgh should have tanked two years ago after AB and Bell left. You could make the argument. And maybe they'd be in a better place today. Now, I like what Pittsburgh has a little bit. But the, the problem with those like Seattle and mm-hmm. Pittsburgh the past couple years is they have had good pieces. They have. Like Seattle had a great quarterback and some good wideouts. Yeah. Good wideouts, not great ones. So I, but the, when you have gone... But I think Pittsburgh had a more... Like they had a decent defense. They never their defense never really fell off. They they had offensive pieces. Just Ben Roethlisberger was mm-hmm. um, a dying man. Yes, um, but they they still could compete. They just needed a real quarterback. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily agree with those teams. Okay, I see your point there. But here's another one: Would Carolina be in a better place today if instead of getting Teddy Bridgewater when Tepper first came in? They had just accepted that Newton had left and he was done and they should just tank for a year? Uh, perhaps. But uh, I don't know. They've, they've but here's win. The, here's the thing specifically because I'm making this about Seattle. They don't want to tank. No, I know. I got you. But when I'm making this specifically about the Seahawks, when you have done everything in your power for the last four to five years to try and keep your winning window open, right? They've traded picks. They've tried to fix this. They've fixed that. They've traded two first-round picks for a safety in Jamal Adams. All right? When you have done everything you can for multiple years to try to extend that window and it hasn't worked, it's time. It's time to say, it's time to tear it down and we need to start over. Well, I think that's a slightly different conversation, though. Okay. Because if you have a guy like Russell Wilson behind center, that's not the time to tank. However, at some point, even with Russell Wilson behind center, you need to have a conversation in the front office to say, is it time to say we need to cut our losses and start anew? Mm-hmm. That's a slightly different conversation. Yeah. Because if you have Russell, Russell Wilson, Russell. <laughs> if you have Russell Wilson, I, I feel like you have a decent, you can compete. He can, he's a Tom Brady-like guy where like, well, if he's behind center, like that's going to just win you games with him alone. But they had no more picks anymore. Well, that's no. That's when that's when they, as the front office, need to have a conversation. Where like, see, you have no picks. Why would you tank if you have no picks? Mm. What are you? You're tanking for the other team. Well, no, but you're tanking by trading that quarterback, getting picks, and then making sure that your picks also are worth something. Okay, I mean, you'll eventually, I guess, tank. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, that's the I guess start of the tanking process. I guess you could say. But yeah. I still think it's a slightly different conversation. Okay. Because the tanking conversation is we suck you. right now. I'll give you another. But if you one. have Russell Wilson, it's like, 
We're gonna suck. We need to suck. Okay. Let's tear it down. I'll get you another one. That's the start of the conversation. I guess. I'll give you. I'll give you two more. I'll give you two baseball ones. The Detroit Tigers, with Mister I, when it was clearly over. Okay. They they refused refused to sell off pieces and tank. How'd that work out? Sure. Was that an appropriate time to tank? No. You had spent millions of dollars for years trying to well, keep the window open, and then the core had gotten old. We. We the, can say and that. The second one, before you finish, and the second one was the Philadelphia Phillies. They did the same thing. They had two about mediocre years where they underperformed. They had Cliff Lee, Cole Hamels, and who was the third one on roster? Was it Roy, Roy Halliday? Yeah, Roy Halliday on roster, right? All three of them. But, you know, they, they were never healthy at the same time. Howard was done by that point. Utley could never stay healthy. But they continued, even though it had been years, years of this World Series window, right, being open and spending money and all this kind of stuff to keep the window open, it became clear that it wasn't going to happen anymore. And all you were doing was just treading water, right? To me, that was an appropriate time to tank as well. But they didn't do it. And then what they did was waited for when all those guys weren't worth anything anymore. How they had retired. Cliff Lee had gotten lit up one year. Roy uh, Howard was pretty much out of baseball and Utley had gotten to the point that he was so injured that even when he was healthy he wasn't the player he used to be they eventually traded Utley away <clears throat> yeah but not until he had become so injured that even when he was healthy he wasn't the player he used to be yeah because for a while because for a while maybe he would only give you 420 at bats but he was still elite he would still hit 295 knock in you know 75 in just those 400 at-bats and hit 20-something homers. Take out two or three second or baseman and shortstop a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> uh, uh, but, like, well, first with the Tigers. Okay. So it's easy to say, and even at the time, because I remember, I don't remember specifically the year. I think it was maybe, like, 2015 mm-hmm. was that year where I had uh, David Price, and then they traded him to... Toronto mm-hmm. I think that was 2015 mm-hmm. it was that time frame mm-hmm. um, yeah because that was the year the Royals won yeah yeah um, against the Mets mm-hmm. no, he's not over there anyway uh, but it's easy to say that they should have just done it but I'm not an old dying man who's never seen my baseball team win a World Series no I get that I get why Mr. I kept going, but I'm just saying, like, when it's an appropriate time to tank. That's another example of an appropriate time to tank. Mm. The New York Yankees did this. They had that one season, right, when Teixeira was old, and they finally were just like, screw it. And they went out and traded these guys. And they brought, I think they, I'm trying to think of all the people they got in oh, those they got trades. Judge the, was one of them. I think Glaber Torres. Glaber was one Torres. Of them. Aaron Hicks, I think, was one Aaron of them. Aaron Hicks, Glaber Torres. I don't know if Judge was one of them or not. No, he definitely was. He was? No, I remember that. Okay, so this is another. Because he was, they were actually, they thought, I mean, at the time, I'm pretty sure Judge was just known for his size. And mm. actually, people are like, Judge. Why mm. they get Judge? So in that, in that year that they finally decided to bite the bullet. And we're like, listen, we're just treading water. Gary Sanchez was another one. Gary Sanchez. They brought in Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, and Aaron Hicks. Three of those guys are still on the team and producing. And say say what you want about Gary Sanchez, but he did at least have one or two great years in New York. Yeah. Before it seems like the league kind of figured it out. But extremely successful. 
and they they saw it. They saw it was closed, and, and they said, "We got to get rid of this now." Who's standard by extremely successful? The Yankee standard? I would say no. Okay, but maybe mm. if they win this year. But you've just failed to add things around them. But at the end of the day, you've brought in a core of guys that have stayed there and produced now for the last three to four years. Clayton Torres has been kind of. Eh. He has been, but he's having a better year this year. Yeah. And he's at the end of the day, he's still a major league starting middle infielder. Mm, Which, sure, yeah. At just a prospect level, is kind of a success. I don't know. I prefer more production out of a shortstop. Uh, yeah, but until until I guess you know what, I'll take it if my second baseman is DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, although he's been what a I'm little saying is, is you never know with prospects, especially in Major League Baseball, and if you can at least become a Major League everyday starting position player. That's kind of a success. Unless you were like Ronald Acuna, like coming up, like this guy's going to be a superstar, you know? Yeah. That's the only time it's a disappointment. Yeah. Okay. And I will also say this about the Phillies to rebuke that. Now, I guess this is playing devil's advocate, giving excuses to these teams because sure, like maybe this is, this is specifically the time to dismantle, but like they did win a world series and then go to another one the next season And so a lot of teams will like, especially if they're like, we got one type of mentality. Now, they did go back to back um, in terms of going, um, not winning. Mm -hmm. Um, But like a lot of those teams were like, hey, we'll hold on to those guys. Like, hey, you remember Jimmy Rollins? Mm. He was there. Remember remember Ryan Howard? Mm. He could he he was at that world. Remember, remember Shane Victorino? He, He was there. That type of stuff, and that's not a good mentality to have. You gotta, no, you gotta move on. But like it's, these teams can do these things, and sometimes just, and also like you know what? I don't think the Phillies have been a very good organization. No, they haven't. Um, they kind of, I don't want to say stumbled into that World Series, especially when you go back. But to, like, if they the had year. sold those pieces when they were still worth something, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. Mm. But this is also an organization that gave Bryce Harper. Uh, 300 and something million dollars. I don't remember specifically the number. This is an organization that gave Jonathan Papelbon <laughs> a lot of money. Uh. Um, <laughs> uh, and this is a this is an organization when, where this season said, you know what? The hell with defense. <laughs> they really did. <laughs> We're just going to hit the ball. Yeah. And it's starting to work more now. Yeah. They've gotten back in it. <laughs> Yeah, um, but well, but that's not so. Do you? That's th- not a winning the so World what's, Series. So what's your team. opinion then on tanking? What is your definition of a tank? My definition of tanking is you sell off assets that you have. You do nothing to bring in new assets to make your team better. Okay, so I would maybe. And you intentionally are passing up on chances to bring in assets to make your team mm-hmm. better. That's what I describe as tanking. Okay, what's the difference between tanking? Well, this is what I mean. So the Seattle Seahawks would clearly be a better team next year with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback than Drew Locke. I I do believe that. By that definition. But only for six weeks. (laughs) But but Garoppolo would probably get you an extra win or two. That's generous. Like with Drew Locke there, what do we think Seattle's going to win? Four games? I don't know. With Jimmy there, I think they win six or seven. A couple first halves, maybe? Yeah, that's what I mean. They might win three games with Drew Locke, and they might win six with Jimmy Garoppolo. So you are a better team. Well, and you can get Jimmy G if you want him. 
but you are intentionally passing up on a chance to make your team better because you are tanking. That's what I describe as tanking. Okay. By you're a little, I think, too complex definition of a tank. By that definition, every rebuild is a tank. Okay. Do you think, do you feel that way though? Yes, I do. Okay. I do. Well, so. I feel like tanking has just gotten a stigma, but I, I well, think that's all it is. So if a team, like, all right, do, do you think the mm-hmm. Baltimore Orioles have been purposely losing for years? Or do you think that team is just that bad? Uh, Obviously not anymore. They're the World Series champions. No, I think, they were, I think they were intentionally losing for a while. Okay. They they weren't they weren't doing not like really anything in free agency bringing in people or anything. See, because I'm not a big fan of that definition because I think okay. like I said a little too complex because it brings in like because I don't think a, ne- a rebuild is 100 percent a tank. Okay. Because some people try to have the Rangers. I don't think they ever intentionally try to lose. Mm. Maybe at some point they did like a couple years ago, but I thought they were at least attempting to win last year not mm-hmm. to think they were going to get anywhere but just to see and i thought they're like we're gonna we're gonna go for it this year yeah we learned enough last year we're gonna go for it this year which was stupid yes um but they're clearly not gonna win anything this year mm-hmm. but they're not tanking so no. where, where's well but 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 what if they went now and sold off all their assets because right, i because well, i said because i said that's part of rebuild i said by definition of tanking you have to be selling off your assets right the players who are good on your roster, getting okay. back. Can I give you my definition okay. for a tank? Go for it. Um, I think tank. If a team is by definition mine tanking, okay, they are for that season uh-huh. not attempting to better themselves f- or win games for that season. Okay. Not to say all the play. Not to say they're literally in the in the meeting rooms as the coaches going like. How are we going to lose this game? Yeah, you can't do that. That's oh. that's that's where I draw the line because that that culturally is bad. But like you are not going that extra mile on purpose. You yeah. are literally maybe even denying trade offers that are called to you because you're like that could help my team. No, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. That could help my team win today. I don't want that mm-hmm. type of thing. Obviously, like oh, you're gonna give me your nice prospects for my nice guy. Sure, yeah. you can bring in the trading off assets part of it, but I don't think it's necessary. Okay. I just think you are intentionally losing for the time being. That's when you are tanking. Okay. Because there are teams that are like, we suck now. We're not going to win, but we're going to try our damnest. And we're also going to sell. Yeah. So let me ask you. But I don't think that's a tank. As, as, I want to ask you specifically in football. Because in not, baseball, that, it's, a bit a more com- it's a baseball, it's a little more complicated. When do you think, what are the parameters that you see as when it's appropriate to tank? That's a great question. Because well, I said if we've spent years trying to keep the window open and it hasn't gotten any better. Okay, because you look at a team like we have old and expensive guys who are no longer producing at the level that they're being paid. I know you're not really knowledgeable about the sport, but do you think the Bruins are a team in position that should have maybe started tanking a year or two ago? Cuz your core was old, Bergeron, Krejci, Char when he was here. Yes. Rask when he was here. Marshawn's not young. These guys could still produce. And you still are clearly a team that was always going to make the playoffs and they have for years. But no one ever saw them as a contender. That's when I think 
you are you should start I think, considering. I think, the I think tank. the Bruins were totally on the precipice of it. Would have been totally, totally legitimate if they had said that it's time to blow it up and rebuild. Okay, because they, I feel like they were in this sort of limbo, mm-hmm. where like if you had the possibility to add, and they tried to with like, not last year but the year before when they I tried to add when they added Taylor Hall at the deadline. Like that's clearly. You're adding a very, you're adding a top line skill player, a top six skill player. That's clearly going for it. You're obviously not trying to tank, rebuild in any way, shape, or form there. Mm-hmm. And that clearly made them better. So that's why I mean they're in this limbo. You almost made yourself a contender there. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you're in this limbo where the Bruins were, mm-hmm. if like you know, just put that across sports. If you're in this limbo where like we're a team right now that can make the playoffs, but we're not really gonna get far there. We're not really gonna make the conference finals. Or the AL East, or that the AL East, the American League Finals, so anything like that. We're not going to make the Conference League Finals, anything like that. You need to start asking yourself: Can we add to get there and beyond? And if it's worth it to do that, mm. that's where I think you need to start asking that question. Okay. A teams generally say no, it yeah. is not, and I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. Especially because this is a business, and a great way to sell tickets is to be good. Yeah, even if, because like you look at, and I'm going to bring it to hockey, the Detroit Red Wings mm-hmm. made the playoffs for actually the first 24 years of my life. I had never seen a Stanley Cup playoffs that didn't involve the uh, Red Wings, mm-hmm. and eventually here you're going to get to a point where you're in that limbo. Well, oh, they were lim- spinning the tires for years. Oh, they limped in as the eighth seed, wild card, barely making it, like making it in game like 81, 82. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's that's when like I get it. Yeah. You were chasing a record. Mm-hmm. You wanted the uh, the streak of most seasons in a row. Yeah. Held by the Bruins, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's 30. No, it's not 30. So I think it's 27 years. Mm. Um, no, it's a little more than that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, like, that's a situation of these teams are, oh, we're holding on to these players that we won championships with. These these fringe reasons where, like, they're just, it's, maybe they're thinking a little too business right now. Mm-hmm. If we keep Ryan Howard, yeah, we'll sell tickets because they love Ryan Howard. Yeah. For what he did for us. If we trade him away, they won't, they won't be happy because they love him. And we're gonna suck for a year or two. Yeah, you are. But you have to take a step back sometimes to take two steps forward. Teams are sometimes afraid to take that step. They are. They are. All right. I think we're good on this. I'll turn it over to you for rapid fire news. All right. It's gonna be a short one. Good. Because it was a short week. Uh, But hey, your Red Sox. I'm gonna start there. Oh, God. I'm gonna start with the the bad news. They went one and three since we were last here, only four games. Uh, Lost to that Thursday night against Toronto. And then went one and two in the three-game series uh, against New York, which doesn't sound that bad. But if you watch the games, it was worse than you think. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because speaking of that last game, uh, Chris Sale pitched against Garrett Cole, which is going to be a great pitching matchup. Oh, baby. Chris Sale couldn't get out of the first. For worse reasons than you think, actually. Not because it was so awful Mm -hmm. that they had to pull him. No, he got hit with a pitch, and he broke his he broke his yeah, pinky. He, he took a line drive off the hand and broke his pinky. Yes. Well, speaking of other uh, other baseball news, mm-hmm. uh, Juan Soto, 
Yes. He turned down a $140 million for f- over 15-year offer the other day. He's on the market. Like I said, sell your soul, Red Sox. Juan Soto's on the market. <laughs> anyway, well, like I said earlier, she, mm-hmm. uh, moving on. It is All-Star Week, which means the festivities are starting today. The Home Run Derby's tonight if you want to watch. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to. I do sometimes. Sometimes I don't. But uh, just uh, I'm going to pick Pete Alonso to win again. Okay. Just because I think he's got a great swing. I'm going to go it. with Kyle Schwarber. That's a good one. Because I don't think he has to change his swing at all for the Home Run Derby. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of why I picked Pete. Yeah. Oh, but Pete still has a decent average. Schwarber would be like, I hit 190 all year. I don't give up. We don't see Pete as a 300 hitter, though, at all. Well, he's not 300 anymore. He's at about 275, I think, now. It's going to get worse. It probably will. <laughs> but anyway, that it's always fun. Home run derby. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the All-Star game, your Red Sox. Rafi Devers is the starting third baseman. Uh, Xander Bogarts is a on the bench. Mm-hmm. I don't think all of them. I can't remember. Replacement. Replacement players. Mm-hmm. And then, actually, J.D. Martinez made the All-Star team as well because someone else is going to miss it. Who got hurt? I forget. I don't remember. Actually, I saw a stat last night. Buster Olney posted it to Twitter. Uh, I think it was him. It might have been Ken Rosenthal. One of them. 80 players are all-star this year. That's about 10% of the league. So, like, because so, actually, it's, it's so many players have just been like, yeah, I can't make it. And I understand, like, you know, some pitchers are like, because Garrett Cole pitched on Sunday. Why would he go? He yeah. can't, can't be used. Um, you still get the stat. Mm-hmm. You still get those festivities. You still get the jersey. Yeah, you can post on your. You can put on your wall. Um, so, but eighty players are all stars this year. Mm. Kind of loses a little bit of that luster. Kind of loses a bit of that Hollywood magic. It does a little bit. Right, LA. <laughs> oh, the crowd's not here. <laughs> all right, all yeah. right. That has been rapid fire news. All right. That's so, been not so rapid fire. News. So, with that, we are going to talk about the Sox first half in review, and. Uh, Man, I was high on things in June. It looked real good. Now the Red Sox are officially out of a playoff spot if the season ended today. They went, remember remember when everyone got hurt and we were going on this two-week stretch and I said, you know, maybe you should get some help for your pitching staff Mm. for this stretch because you could find yourself in a bad place pretty soon. Well, you went 4-10 over this stretch where you play the Yankees and Rays. You are out of a playoff spot today, and you gave up 27 runs in two days to the New York Yankees. Uh, Yeah. And now Chris Sale, who you were all banking on in that front office, we don't have to go out and do anything. We get Sale back in the middle of the year. That's like making a trade. Well, he broke his hand. Hmm. (laughs) So now he's going to be out again even longer. So here's to that banking on that. Let's see how that looks now. So the Sox find themselves at 48 and 45 on the outside looking in after an embarrassing two days to the New York Yankees. And that begs the question, where do we think the Red Sox are going from here? And do we think that they are legitimate? I honestly think it's not going to get very easy post-All-Star break. You're going to have Toronto. You're going to have Cleveland, which is the easiest one of the first three. And they at least have a winning record, and they're in second place in their division. And then you have Milwaukee, and then you have Houston. So it's not getting much easier right away post-All-Star break. I truly think if they come out the gate bad for the first two or three series here, you have to think about trading off some of these assets because you are not good enough 
to make the playoffs. And even if you, by some miracle, limped into the playoffs, you're getting swept right away. So if they don't come out the gate, at least passable here, at least able to be 500 and stay where they are on the precipice of being there, if they come out here and get swept by Toronto, lose two or three to Milwaukee, I think you have to think about Xander's not coming back. We don't want to pay him. Maybe we need to get something for him. JD might opt out. Eovaldi's going to be a free agent. I think you need to think about that. But Jesse, what are your thoughts? Mm. Well, actually, when you brought up that point of the Red Sox should maybe just trade for somebody, anybody mm-hmm. cheap right now because of the injuries, um, the Red Sox thought, I mean, it wasn't even just Chris Sale. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Evaldi's back. Yeah. And Garrett Whitlock is back. Yes. Um, but, like, I actually made the point, I think it was last week, about that one, that one week after the the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. And I really, I think that is actually should be a good... Um, Barometer. For, yeah, a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Of, like, yeah, we're... We're on the precipice. We're a fringe team going into the all-star break. Let's see what we're... We don't know if we're going to buy, try to buy or sell at the deadline. Uh, that Let's see how we come out of the all-star break. Mm. So from... Uh, do the Red Sox play on Thursday this this year? Coming out of the all-star break? Or do they start Friday? Uh, a lot of times they start Friday now. Wait, what do you mean? No. Well, because after the all-star break, it's, you know, home oh, run derby oh, Monday. Oh, yeah, no, it starts Friday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they usually Friday, get two days off. So Friday they'll be now. at home. By the way, they are at least are at home for most of these series. They're at home for three in Toronto, home for three with Cleveland, and home for three with Milwaukee. Mm. But and then you have Houston right after the uh, trade deadline is August second, which would be the second game in Houston. Okay. Okay. And well, here's also the thing about that: we are we suck yeah. against the AL East. Yes, you do. Like, whoa, man. But I mean, and part of it though is I'm not I'm not trying to just say the team sucks because that's not all of it. You fell apart at the worst possible time. Walker's hurt, Rich Hill's hurt, Sales hurt. Evaldi only just came back. Evaldi's had one start since coming off the DL. Yeah, right. So it's not just that this team sucks. I do think, as constructed, we would be talking. We would have a different conversation. But the fact of the matter is is you physically fell apart at a terrible point in the season. Now the guy you were banking on for coming back just broke a finger on his hand so he could be out for an extended period of time again. It just seems like this season has fallen apart on you, and I don't know if they can be healthy enough in enough time to make them a playoff team and a playoff contender. Hmm. Uh, well, the point I make with like you suck against the AL East is like you're going to – I mean, the first series is against Toronto. Mm-hmm. But like you're gonna at least maybe get a, you're gonna get away from those teams for a little bit, so hopefully you can maybe get see if you can get your mojo back. Or was this just a situation of uh, where we've gone cold? This is who we really are again. We were just hot for a little while. Mm. Um, so this 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 will really tell us can yeah. they can they because they they played well against Houston when they played them earlier in the season. They did. They played Cleveland well when they played them earlier in the season. Yeah, Even and, when Cleveland and, was playing and I, better. And I don't think this is I don't I truly don't think that we are seeing the real Sox. I don't they are a good team. I think they're right there. I think they'd be in a second or first wild card spot. But the fact of the matter is is that you have now just physically fallen apart. 
It's now gotten worse. And I think there's real questions of, are they really going to be healthy enough in enough time to have any of this make sense? Mm. I mean, because uh, actually, Kike and Hernandez had a setback, apparently. Kike's not even the one I'm even that worried about. We've been able to replace the offensive production. Yeah, but I I don't see like Duran, Ref Snyder, or like Jeter Downs as like a great replacement right now. Not I, that I think Kike's all that great, but like they've all. I mean, actually, not that Jeter Downs really was anything up here yet. He's only played like three or four games. Yeah. But like, um, Ref Snyder and Duran have come back down to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Duran though. Oh, I know. Here's the thing. I like them both. Mm. But like, they're young, and I don't expect a lot of them out of, out of them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do miss I do miss Kike a little bit too. Mm. I know this is a lot of the pitching staff, but they actually when Waka and Hill went down. At first, they weathered the storm for a couple days, a little bit. They did. Um, actually, part of the problem was Pavetta has come crashing back down to earth as well. We knew he would do that. I, he came crashing down hard. Oh, though. I know. He's gotten shelled in back-to-back, like absolutely shelled. And maybe maybe it's just a situation he can't pitch against the Yankees. And, you know, seems like nobody can this year. Mm. But like, Except Nasty Nate. Sure. But actually, you know what? He's had their number for a while. No, I know. Um and actually, I saw a stat for Chris Sale because um, he got the loss. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was his fault for the loss on no. Sunday. He didn't have a good start. He gave up some runs before he got the injury, so it wasn't a good start. Um, but it certainly wasn't his fault. Um, but Chris Sale is someone who his record with the Red Sox is two and seven against the Yankees. Really, his record um, well as a had- White Sox what. Four and one. Okay, but here's the thing: that two and seven, I don't remember. I've, I remember him having a couple bad starts, but for the most part, I remember him being pretty damn good against. Well, the Well, I was about to say, actually, if you go look, we we have this conversation. It seems like the Sox have dominated the Yankees over the past couple of years. But if you look at the regular season, the Yankees actually have a significantly better record against the Sox than the Sox do. Oh, yeah. No, it's... It, They're winning the regular season stuff. It's just the Sox have convincingly won the postseason stuff. No, yeah, the Red Sox win... And sail through five shutout innings the last time that we faced the Yankees in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, well, no, you're right, because actually I did some research on this since, like, 2004. Like, people think, like, oh, it's changed. And I, I think that a little bit, too, about, like, oh, the rivalry has changed. It's not just the Red, Red Sox getting dominated by the Yankees. Regular season, yeah, it's it's gotten a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the Yankees are still winning in the regular season. But yeah, they just don't win the big games. No, that's that's the difference. That is it the is. difference. People. Not only have they not won the big games, they've they've been kind of stomped out by the Sox a little bit. Yeah, in the playoffs, we yeah. stomped them in the wild card, and then that series. Other than other than the David Price massacre in Game Two, we largely stomped them out in that series too. It wasn't even that bad in Game Two. Uh, didn't Price? Uh, Price gave up a lot of runs in that game. I think he lost that game like seven to four. Oh, was it? Yeah, like you know, it didn't bullpen, get, it, the bullpen must have shut it down after that. I like, guess. Yeah, he didn't have a good start, but like it didn't get out of hand, and like the offense wasn't totally shut down. So, mm. okay, but, but like they wasn't that close. Okay, so what is uh, what is your barometer here then for this? If the Sox, let's say they lose two of the three against Toronto. But let's say they take three of four against Cleveland and lose two of three to Milwaukee. 
That puts you at about 500 over that stretch. Do you think that it's worth buying at the deadline, knowing that help will be back and on the way? If they went 500 over that stretch, I would kill myself. Because I, would, I would be like, oh, that's the worst thing you could have done because I don't have a clear answer. <laughs> um, uh, you should probably maybe just maybe just tank. Oh, you're being you're being you're overdoing it there because because we talked about that. Well, like here's the thing, like I'm down to trade away JD Martinez. Okay. No, no offense to the person. Okay. But like, it's a little old. Yeah. I don't expect him. He's here's the thing. He's hitting well this year. He's an all star. Yeah. Um, I'm one of eighty. Uh, but he's not. His his power has clearly dropped. Oh yeah, I know. And I feel like I mean he. I think he came into the season knowing that as well. Mm. He's like I'm. I'm kind of maybe going to become more of a contact hitter here. And it's working out. Yeah. But like, when you're that slow. Hmm. Kind of afraid to maybe hit the ball out of the ballpark a bit more. Yeah, a little bit. I know. I hear you. Of these guys who that you would trade off, I think. I think. I saw a column today. I don't want to trade Sander. I know, but you're gonna have to trade Story. You can't trade Story. Well, he's older. Is he? He is. I thought they were the oh, same. Wait, I think he's. I think they're the same age, man. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's like a couple months older. But you know, you trade you trade Waka if you can get healthy and you can trade him. Yeah, I don't think he's. Gonna be, are you sure he's going to be healthy in time? I hope so. Because uh, if he is, you will never get more value out of Michael Waka since he was a rookie. Mm. No, I know, I get that. But uh, of these guys, right? I would say sell Xander. Mm. I know you don't want to, but I would sell Xander. Because you're clearly not going to re-sign him at this point. And he's going to be a free agent. For sure. So. Mm-hmm. And then. Sell Bobby. You can't even sell Bobby. Yes, you can. Honestly, here's the thing. I would I would think about. How much for that pen? <laughs> I would think about. Even, even if we're talking about selling off pieces. I would still think about adding one and adding a first baseman. Just not a, not a rental. Do you know what I mean? Because I do think, I don't think, this isn't, to me, a hard tank job. I got it. All right, what? We're going to teach Juan Soto first base. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I love this running gag amongst Red Sox fans that, like, we're just going to teach everybody first base. I know. Doesn't matter. Just teach them first base. But anyway, so J.D. Martinez, Nathan Eovaldi, Christian Vasquez, and potentially even Michael Waka and Kike Hernandez all... Um, could be free agents. If JD opts out, um, I think Vasquez would have to opt out as well. And I mean, yeah. Vasquez is just a catcher. All right. But here's what I'm saying. So you could do this and even have it not be a hard tank or anything like that. But you could sell off JD and Xander with the thought that you freed up some money, sign Evaldi, and still look to help this team in the offseason if you want to just retool things and go for it, which I don't think is a bad decision because there's still pieces here, in my, in my opinion. And simply, a lot of this season has just been bad luck in the sense of, like, you've just now become so physically beat up at the worst possible time that the season, in some ways, could be lost. Yeah. So I could see selling Xander and JD at the deadline 
still deciding to add a first baseman just because we're still going to have to plug that hole. All right, just add someone who's not a rental who will be here next year and get used to everything here who's, this season. Who's selling first baseman? Jesus Aguilar. But he's kind of older. If you're going to do this, I don't want to bring in him. I want to bring in Aguilar if you're trying to win. Okay. Like now. What about So what about Crone? How old is he? He can't be that old. How old is Josh Bell? Oh, Josh Bell is going to be so expensive, though. So is Juan Soto. We're getting him. We're not getting <laughs> Soto. You will, you will not get off this trade. Bro, could you imagine him at Fenway Park? I know. Wrapping it around that foul pole? I know. <sighs> CJ Crone is 32. Uh, That's not that old. Yeah. Aguilar is also 32. Okay, so then definitely not. <laughs> because I said no to Aguilar. You gotta stand it's by. Not, I don't get the Juan Soto stuff. It's, he's not, but he's not going to be a free agent. Okay. Is is Otani going to be a free agent this offseason? No. No, not this one? No. Because he, he said, yo, if you guys still suck, I want out. Did he really? He said that coming into this season, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, and they suck. Okay, so Soto is... Could you imagine Otani? around that foul pole. Oh my god, you're 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 going off the reservation, bro. We, um, we need to Soto, spend money like Steve Cohen. I listen, I wish we would. That's another conversation. 100%. Yeah. John Henry or the Dodgers. John Henry being a cheap ass is totally why we're in this yeah. situation right now because you went with the cheap options who have injury histories to try and help this pitching staff in the offseason and shocker, they've gotten hurt now at a terrible time. You also thought, oh, we'll get Chris Sale back, so let's not add anything. We'll be fine. And he gets a line drive off the hand, and now you're screwed. So You know what it is? Them being cheap is totally... By, by the way, on your Soto thing, Soto is uh, eligible for arbitration in 2023 and a free agent in 2025. Now, Otani. It's never going to happen, dude. Oh, dude. Arbitration eligible in 2023, free agent in 2024. Here's why I believe maybe Otani. Why? Because Otani alone makes money. I thought you were going to say he is the way that you can, like, he's Babe Ruth again. I mean. We're getting Babe Ruth back. If you want to go. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, if the curse was still on, (laughs) this would be the way. (laughs) Truly, though. If the curse was still on, do do you think there's any way imaginable that when Shohei Okani became a free agent, that the Red Sox would not spend a billion dollars. Yeah, on that him? the Red Sox and I'd be like, no, no, this is this is how it has to be. Yes, <laughs> this is the way. Yes, <laughs> we bring in the ja- uh, what is he? Is he Japanese? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Japanese version of Vapor. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Jesus Aguilar would actually be a rental. Never mind. He's a free agent in 2023. Yeah, see, I knew that. So he doesn't make sense. But <laughs> CJ Crone's not. You didn't know it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, I think I probably did last week when we talked about it or two weeks ago when we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, he's a free agent. Crone, Crone, you'd have one more year of his services, which I'm cool with. All right. So what's your barometer then? 500? Oh, all right, 500 or less. We'll do it like rounding except the opposite. Okay. You know, you hit that halfway point. That's not good enough this time. You can't round up. All right. You sell. So there are only two games out of. You sell everyone but Xander Bogarts. Shut up. <laughs> um, and it, 
And if it becomes time that you're selling, how much do you want to sell? Are you selling with the idea Bro, that you don't you know think what? this team? No. Are you full selling? Tank. Are you what? Full tank. Really? I mean, not full tank. Not Devers. Okay. All right. Yeah. Pick one. But everyone. Pick one. Bogarts or Story. But everyone who you think is going to be a free agent, sell off. Not every. I mean, I think you should probably keep uh, Vasquez. Okay. Well, I like him behind the plate. He won't be that expensive. What about Ivaldi? He's a little older. And injury prone. Yeah. You do it. As much as we love Nasty Nate. Let's say it's a shit show. We will talk about it. Let's say it's a shit show. Let's say they win three games in this next stretch. And you're, you're like, it looks bad. I think you should listen. If would people you call. Go, would you go JD, Xander, and Eovaldi? I would definitely do JD. No, I know. I, would, I said Waka. I would do Waka. I'd probably keep Aveta. Still, he's kind of young. He's in, well. He's under contract. The anyway. greatest fifth of all time. He's under contract still, anyway. I'm just saying, like, if someone called and said, like, "Hey, I actually have a decent offer for Pavetta," like, I'd still be like, "Yeah, I'd rather keep him." Sorry. Okay. Unless it's like you want Juan Soto for Pavetta, <laughs> but like, I don't think they'll do that. No, I don't think so. No, um, not quite. You might need to add in like a <laughs> the entire team. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing: if you sucked and Chris Sale was healthy. I think maybe you could even could have sold Chris Sale, but like that obviously is, yeah, sailed. <laughs> um, that ship has sailed. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what that's that's <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> uh, uh, who else is on this team? I guess maybe Kike if he's healthy by then, you can maybe get a piece for him. But I do like much. I do like Kike. Yeah. No, you won't get much, but like you. All right. People like a Kike in the locker room. All right. I think we're good on this now. Um. Would you consider selling Verdugo? No. No? No, he's still cheap. Yeah, you won't get much. No, you would get a decent amount for Verdugo because he's cheap. Really? Like you're not paying. He's disappointed pay- me. He has a little bit, but he's but he's you're not paying him a ton. So mm. no, Verdugo is the kind of guy you keep. You trade the Weck dog because he's <laughs> obviously going to get a lot of money or a, a lot of. So you would go money. more aggressive even if you're deciding to, to sell off than I would because I'm talking just JD Xander. You try to and trade Rich think Hill because I'm sick of looking at him. And we think about retooling things for next season. Retooling, not rebuilding. Uh, would you trade anyone in that bullpen if anyone would take him? No. Obviously not Whitlock. No. I wouldn't trade Hauk. I wouldn't trade... Oh, yeah. Definitely not. No, 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 no. So who are you going to trade? Trying to think of people in that Schreiber? Because he's been no. the only good one. But I wouldn't trade him either because he's under contract for a while. No, I don't think there's anyone in that bullpen you trade because they're either too valuable in the sense of like they're young and you're not paying a baton or they just they're not worth anything yeah well Deekman ain't worth anything at this point do you think they're gonna trade Marcelo Mayer no okay because they their first their first pick last night another shortstop all right everybody does this the, the draft means nothing it means everything it means nothing you just kind of pick whoever you think is the <laughs> most talented do you know how many of those guys end up changing positions no, I'm I'm sure a lot of them do. <laughs> yeah. No, I know a lot of them do. Yeah. So anyway, all right, especially I, amongst the infield and outfield, they just yeah, swap around. I know. All right. I think we're good on this. Okay. Right. We are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to go over some specific teams, a couple that we talked about before the season, and give them grades for their first halves. Stick with us, guys.
And we are back from our break. What uh, Do we have a name for this segment, actually? No. Should I ask that before? No? All right. We're just going to talk about a couple teams. We're going to discuss how we feel. Well, as I said, we are reviewing the first half. We're going to go over some teams that we talked about, right? Some yeah. specific ones that we put in the dark horse and all that. And we're going to give them, we're going to give them first semester grades. That was a semester? I mean, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. First oh, you know what? You're right. Because, yeah. Okay, you're, you're right. You, that was a good one. Yeah, there's two yes. semesters in college. Yes. 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 All right. That's all right. And yeah, we're gonna uh, gonna go through. Yeah, a couple of our teams. So college know. dropout knows that, and you don't. I just I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> go. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm gonna start off with a team that I hyped up a lot. Yeah. And it took yeah. them a while to get there. Yeah, it was almost like you were eating crow for a little bit. A little bit. But they finally caught up. Finally caught up to what I was saying. But the Seattle Mariners, a team that I was really excited about. I said they would win the division. It's not looking great. <laughs> but hey, we have way too many wildcard teams this year. So that's looking good. They currently find themselves in the second wildcard spot. Plus, uh, they're up one on Toronto right now. <laughs> but the more the big story surrounding this team, even more overshadowing the Orioles, because the Orioles ended... Mm-hmm. 14 straight wins for the Seattle Mariners right now. Mm-hmm. 14 straight going into the um, All-Star break. That is definitely the hottest team in baseball right now. Like you can't you can't dispute that. Mm-hmm. 14 straight. So, but the first half, you had a terrible you had you had a terrible first half of the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have Rodriguez wasn't adjusting quite right to the MLB yet. The pitching wasn't there yet. The amount of money and trades, these big moves you've made in the offseason weren't working out yet. But everyone just had to adjust. They had to get on their antidepressants because it's Seattle and everyone's so sad there. Um, but now they're all happy. They're gelling as a team. And they're like, they remind me a little bit of the Mets last... Mets. The Mets. Ugh. Anyway, the, the Seattle Mariners from last year. Didn't start off well, but just suddenly they just found themselves in it, competing again, living up to their potential. Mm. So the point is, though, they're here now. They're not. All right, guys, I'll admit it. They're not winning the division. But this is a good team, like I said. These were these I, these had too many good players throughout. There was too many good pitchers. They spent too much money. They made too many big splashes. That doesn't always work. You got to bring in the right guys. But these guys are now finally working. So what do you give for a grade? I will give them a B minus. Oh, I was, wow. I was thinking C plus, but like uh, when you're the hottest team in baseball going into the break, I'll give you a B minus. But that, that bad start really held them back from getting a better grade here. I think you're being, wow, I think you might be a nicer grade. Uh, I mean, a tougher grader than me. All right. What would you give them? Just a, I'd give them a B plus. Really? Okay. For riding the ship like this. They're in a playoff spot today. I guess you could give them credit for that. Yeah. All right. Next one. So, for me, the Miami Marlins, who I had as a dark horse candidate because of their starting rotation mainly, and they at least added a little bit to the lineup. Um, Today, I'm a little bit disappointed so far, though they haven't been awful they sit at 43 and 48, five and a half games out of a wild card. I was not you with my dark horse. I wouldn't say Miami was going to make the playoffs. I just said they'll be better than people think. I will give the Miami Marlins a C. Hmm. C grading. Because they're about what we thought they were 
for the most part last year and about what we thought they'd be around this year. I just had hopes that the C student could be a little bit better and be a B student. But at this point, he's still mediocre. He still does the bare minimum. He's a C <laughs> student. So I give the Miami Marlins a C. They have had some disappointments uh, offensively. It seems like they have not added enough. Trevor Rogers has really, after a great rookie season, has been a bit of a disaster. Um, some of their guys can't stay healthy, like Jesus Lazardo. Thank God for Sandy Alcantara, who's the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, or else this would be a lot worse. But the Miami Marlins, I give a C grade. Okay. All right. Jesse, I'll turn it over to you for the next one. All right. My next one, I believe, was this my dark horse? Yeah, it I was. I believe it was. Yeah, um, this one didn't work out. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, more like a dead horse. Uh, so the Detroit Tigers. Ugh. That I mean, it's been it's been not only bad, it's been dramatic. Because I mean, you brought in you you spent some money. You brought in Eduardo Rodriguez and uh, Javi Baez. Javi Baez can only hit against the Red Sox um, <laughs> and nobody else, it seems. While Eduardo Rodriguez is. Uh, I guess missing. Yeah, no one knows where he is. Yeah, we just he just he stepped away from baseball, and no one's talked to him. And Detroit has reached out, and he just won't say anything to them. I guess. <laughs> so, I don't think that one worked out for you guys. I don't know. There's still time. I think they gave him five years on that contract, so there's still time for that to work out. But, um, you know, you brought up that number one prospect and Spencer Torkelson or Torkelson is Torkelson Torkelson. The nerd. The nerd. Uh, wasn't quite ready. No. Wasn't quite ready for the bigs. Um, and actually, it's like, it's kind of weird. Your best player is 39. <laughs> and he's an all-star. And hey, you know what? I think he actually deserves it more than Albert Pujols does. Um, 300 hitter. The only good thing, the only good story going on. Wait, is, is he the hitting 300? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Miggy. Miguel Cabrera, Triple Crown winner. That's the only feel-good story going on in Detroit right now. <laughs> in the entire city. Mm. Um, including the Detroit Tigers. Wait, who'd you give for a grade then? Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting the grade part. Oh. <laughs> An F. An F. <laughs> An F. Uh, it's been bad. All right. For my next one. My next one, I hyped this team up. I've put my own money on them in multiple places here for our division and pennant the toronto blue jays they sit at 50 and 43 at the moment they hold the last wild card spot two games up on the boston red Sox. so the toronto blue jays what do i give them for a grade i give the toronto blue jays a b minus because though they have been disappointing you can't give these teams non-passing grades if they're still in playoff spots and still you know, seven games above 500, so a B minus. Much the same way, though, I expected that this student was going to be in the A's, AA plus, and they've continued to still be a B student. But you can't give failing grades to playoff teams. That's just not how this works. You're still in the playoffs and seven games above 500. B minus to the run of Blue Jays, though they have been disappointing. Barrios was really bad up until his last three starts. Matt Chapman has been a disaster. It took Bo Bichette a while to get going. Teoscar Hernandez was not healthy. Hinchin Ryu wasn't good and got healthy. And Kikuchi wasn't good either and now is unhealthy as well. So they've had multiple things go wrong, multiple guys underperforming. 
They had fired their manager last week. But, hey, I think they won what? Did they win two or three straight here before the All-Star break? No, but I think they've at least, they've righted the ship. I think they've won like four, of, like three of the last four at least here. They have won three straight, okay. So Toronto at least has won three straight here going into the break. So I have hopes that they will finish with an A. But at the moment for their first half, their first semester, I give the Blue Jays a B-. minus. If you disagree, by the way, we, you feel free to push back on some of these grades. Uh, no, I guess that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Jesse, let me turn it over to you. A team that I kind of said that I really did not believe the hype, and for a while it made me yeah. think I was going to eat crow, but you know what? They haven't played good ball now, and so I feel a little bit more vindicated here. But take yeah. it away. Yeah, they had a good start, um, but right now they are they stumbled oh, going yeah. into the break here. Going into they stumbled with their finals and uh, turning in all their projects and near the end of the semester here. Yes, but uh, they did have a good start, which helps them out. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the problem is they really only have one, two really good hitters right now. Luckily, Manny Machado is a god amongst uh, peasants over there. Um, they desperately could use a guy like Tatis back, uh, not only with the bat, but also. Uh, that could maybe reinvigorate the locker room mm-hmm. because they are stumbling and they don't look happy about it. Mm-hmm. The pitching has been, uh, miss. yeah, which is what I said it would be. Your favorite player of all time, you Darvish, yeah, has been not good. Mm. Um, but I, I think the real disaster has been Blake Snell. Um, I mean, actually, you know what actually surprised me? What? Clevenger has actually surprised me. Mm. I don't, he had a lot of questions, but like he's been he's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the other one? They brought in from uh, Athletics. Can't remember his name right now. Oakland Athletics. Oh, uh, trade. Oh. The, I'm thinking of the Mets who brought in Chris Bassett. Who did the Padres bring in? Uh, Bebe, he he know hit the Red Sox in 2018. I know. At Tommy I'm, John. I'm completely drawing Starts a blank. Starts with an M. It's not Manoa. Manoa's on the Blue Jays. Yeah, right? but it's. It's anyway, a, move on. Whatever. It's 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 been good, not great. Sean Montas. Yes. Yeah. Um, but for the grade, I will give you for the semester because you're still in the playoff spot. You still hold destiny in your hands, and you will get Tatis back. Um, I will give you a B plus. Ah, B plus. It's a little higher than I thought. I thought it'd be a B B minus. They really squandered what was a decent lead in the wild card. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what what does suck is that Atlanta got so hot, Philly yeah. figured it out, um, and St. Louis is better than I thought they would be this year. Yeah. All right. For the last one, <clears throat> another team that I said I don't know if I buy, but so far they have had a great first half. They even overcame injuries to the two key pieces on the team, the two starters, some of the best Starters in the game in Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, and yet the Mets were able to weather the storm, play decent enough to hold firm where they are, and go in still in first place, though Atlanta is hot on their tail as they go into the half 58 and 35. I would have to give the New York Mets an A because you're in first place, though you squandered what was a really big lead, but you were able to keep yourself in first place and Keep your heads above water when both DeGrom and Scherzer went down. Now they are back. So you are in prime position to keep that first spot, though I don't think they will. But 
for your performance in the first semester, I have to say, the New York Mets get an A. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Okay. Because the one thing that we were worried about could be their pitfall they had, and yet they were able to just tread water, as I said, and they still remain in first place. I mean, everyone amongst us who was here, because mm-hmm. there were three of us that day, I believe, when we picked all those, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we all picked Atlanta, I thought, to win that division. I think we did, too. New York is leading it, so. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's kind of worthy of an A, because we didn't have that much hope for them. No. No, not at all. All right. So that goes over some team reviews. Now we're going to move on to some awards to give out for the first half. We have some usual ones and some funny ones as well. So let's start with the one that we all like to do because we all like to find ways to make ourselves feel better and crap on this team that we don't like. So (laughs) we are going to go with the best team also slash you peaked way too early. So our winner for you peaked way too early is the New York Yankees. Because your winner. Oh, it's not your winner? Nope. Wow, I'm shocked. I thought that was your winner. Well, if it's just peak too soon. I mean, you put it as best team for first half also. Yeah. If I, All right, I guess, yeah, with that. But I had a different one if you just talk in peak too soon. I was mostly just talking peak too soon. Okay, then I definitely have a different one. Okay, I'm going to go with the New York Yankees because they're 64 and 28. Though they have seemed they're playing 500 ball at the moment because they got back-to-back wins over what was a team that was slumping even worse than them in the Sox. But before that, they had blown two games against the Sox. Then they had lost the series to Cincinnati. And Nestor Cortez is not pitching nearly as well as he did before. So it seems like they were starting to look a little vulnerable here going into the break. So they're my winners for peaked way too soon because they are head and shoulders record-wise above everybody else in the league. And we've talked about that. That's not always the best thing come playoff time. That the best regular season teams don't always do the best. So the New York Yankees peaked way too early. I'm holding on to that hope. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. I hope that's true. And I thought about that. But, like, they did it for the whole first half pretty much. Okay. So my peak too soon is the Boston Red Sox. Ah! Because you peaked in June. Okay. In May and June. And it, that might be it. <laughs> so you might have. And here's the thing. Here's why I really wanted to pick them as peak too soon. Because you were one of the hottest teams in baseball for about a month and a half, two months. And you lost ground in your division. That's true. That's the best you got. Think you peaked too soon, buddy. Mm. That's fair. That's how I looked at it. Mm. That's just me, though. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So for the next one, your MVP of the first half. I feel like most people is going to have the same one for this. I don't. Really? No. Okay. The MVP, in my opinion, of the first half is Sandy Alcantara. Oh. The pitcher for the Miami Marlins, who is the only reason that they are even alive in the Mar- in the wild card race, even at all. This man is the best pitcher in baseball that I feel like most people don't know about. Not only is he amazing, he's amazing in a way that no one is amazing anymore. Whereas he goes deep in the games. Mm. He had a stretch, I think, of like, I think it might still be going on, of like six or seven starts in a row 
where he goes at least seven innings. Multiple games where he went nine and eight innings over that span. He also had at one point a 22 um, inning streak going without allowing an earned run. So, oh, let's see. His streak is at one, two, three, four. Uh, 13 straight games of going seven innings or more. And in that stretch, he has gone nine innings three times, eight innings five times. Mm. So that is unheard of in today's game of baseball. And his stats are just as good as anybody else's. 130 innings, 123 punchouts, a 1.76 ERA, and a .90 whip. This man is ridiculous. His ability to induce ground balls in an age where people are trying their damnedest to just not hit the ball on the ground has been nothing short of spectacular. To me, there is nobody in the game like him right now. So my MVP for the first half is Sandy Alcantara. Okay. I'm going to be off. I didn't even think about pitchers. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm probably going to go with maybe the more stereotypical pick. Mm-hmm. In the first half, uh, I'm sure you can guess who that is. I don't know. Is it is it Goldschmidt? No, Aaron Judge. Oh, okay. Because he's had uh, he's cooled off a little bit, uh, especially just with his uh, average wise. But he's still 33 home runs with 70 RBIs. He's batting 284 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't I don't like to hype up Yankee players because they play in that little league field. But Aaron Judge is having a great season. He bet on himself, and he is winning that bet so far. I um, mean, he's got an OPS of 982. Mm. That's that's good. Um, and I'm going to try to get to the stats here from across the league in a second. Mm. But I hate this app. Anyway, yeah, he's the league leader in home runs. Uh, he's the league leader in runs scored at 74. Um so, I mean, Goldschmidt does lead in on-base percentage. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. And, like, I know Goldschmidt is having a good year. Yeah. And he's someone I did consider. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, Aaron Judge is... I know he's on another planet right now. Yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe you pick the NL mm-hmm. uh, MVP. Maybe I just pick the AL MVP. For yeah, this that's year. true. I mean, listen, I'm not saying this guy's winning the award. Just to me, yeah, he has been the most valuable player. Okay. It is just, it, it's, you know, people think like me. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess a pitcher can win that award. Yeah. So, and they think like that sometimes. I'll be honest. I also just wanted to just bring light to a guy who is unique in baseball, who's the best at what he's doing, and yet no one really knows. You do it every week. I know. I, <laughs> I really do. But anyway. All right. That's with, my MVP. With that, I'll let you start the next one. Oh. Our next award for the first half. You did, you did that on purpose. I did. <laughs> uh, I did pick one a couple minutes ago. The Chicago White Sox. For the most disappointing team. Yes. And not necessarily disappointing to me because I didn't think they were going to be that good. Now, did I see them literally just all playing bad? No. I just didn't think they were that good competitively against teams like the Astros, (coughs) Seattle, Mm -hmm. um, New York, Boston, Toronto, um, Tampa even. Um, I just didn't think they would really compete with them in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But to now not even, I know you're only two games back, but to not even be winning your division. Mm. It's gotten a little better. And what is probably the worst division in baseball, by the way? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, 
it has been bad. And like to be honest, like even if you do, even if Minnesota trip, trips over themselves and doesn't win it, which is a very good possibility, Minnesota doesn't win things either. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you really think you're going to go anywhere in the playoffs? What are you playing for? You hate your manager. <laughs> like, you hate your city. Because I hate your city. So you should too. Like, disappointing. Mm. Disappointing. I get you. I get you. All right. So, for my disappointing, most disappointing team of the first half, it's the Toronto Blue Jays. They were the Vegas favorite to win the division. They were the Vegas, uh, they were either first or second, if I remember correctly, on the Vegas favorite to win the American League pennant. And instead, they have fired their manager and they find themselves 14 and a half games back of the division lead. Now, I know that's because the Yankees aren't even human. But still, you thought Toronto should be at least closer than that. So to me, they have been the most disappointing team. And though I do have confidence in them still moving forward, I have been very disappointed with the Toronto Blue Jays, a team that looked like the best team in baseball for a good stretch of time at the end of last year. We were expecting with all those young players to ride that wave into this year. And it quite hasn't really come together quite like that. And they find themselves just barely in the playoffs at the moment. So I do think the Toronto Blue Jays have been the most disappointing team because they were supposed to be on that upper echelon another level type team and they haven't done it Mm. so that's a good one i thought about it okay so for the next one we're going to go with the most disappointing performer so far in the first half and i'm going back to the miami marlins because Trevor Rogers to me, has been the most disappointing performer so far this year. Coming off a rookie of the year type performance last year in which he had a 2.64 ERA in 25 games, started 133 innings, 107 hits, 157 punchouts, a two, uh, 218 batting average against, and a 1.15 whip. He has been nothing short of a disaster here in the first half. He is 4-9 with a 5.46 ERA in his 18 starts, 91 hits over 84 innings, 78 punchouts. It's a 274 batting average against him, which is well above the league average, and a 1.55 whip from a guy who was in the running for Rookie of the Year for a large portion of last year before he went down with an injury. It has been a massive, colossal step backwards for a guy that looked like he had so much potential Trevor Rogers so far has been my most disappointing performer of the first half. Okay. Mine? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, maybe it's kind of a surprise to some. Maybe it's not. But I pick Chris Bryant. Okay. And I, good, that, I mean, that's a good one. And I say it's maybe it's a surprise to some because he is a good player. He can put up numbers. And he's going to a place where you should put up offensive numbers. But when I say you shouldn't be surprised, maybe, is because, like, this is the Colorado Rockies. And I feel like we all thought the same thing when Chris Bryant signed that contract. It's the Rockies? (laughs) Oh, you're doing this for the money. Mm -hmm. So I'm not that surprised that he's not doing that great. Now, here's the thing. He's batting 300. Mm. So he gets on base. uh, But when you look at Chris Bryant, you expect power. You expect RBIs. 
He's hitting four. He has he's hit four home runs. It took him till July to hit his first. He has twelve RBIs. You spent an exorbitant amount of money on this man. And I understand someone else is gonna pay it for you in the long run. Yeah. But this year you're gonna pay him a lot of money. Probably the most on your payroll. Yeah. Probably. Maybe Blackman if he's still making some younger man money. Mm-hmm. Um, but twelve RBIs out of a man that is gonna that is making all star that has been an all, that has been an MVP going into the launch pad of Major League Baseball, the easiest park to hit in. Yeah, and yes, he's had a bounce back July, but like, oh wow, mm. what did you do for the first? Three months. Yeah. Nothing. Literally nothing. Chris Bryant, you disappoint me. And here's the thing. I like Chris Bryant. Mm. And I knew he went there for the money. So I was expecting disappointment, and you still let me down. (laughs) All right. So that is your most disappointing performer. On to the next award. I'll let you start this one as well. Your most surprising team in the first half. All right. I think it's surprising for a lot of people. Yes. We talked about him last week. We said, I mean, they're they're your 2022 World Series winner, <laughs> the Baltimore Orioles, mm-hmm. uh, a team that I mean started exactly where we thought they would be, mm-hmm. and then in the past month and a half, came on, find themselves just outside the wild card, looking in. Do I expect them to still be there in October? No, this <laughs> was fun. In more serious rounds, they will fall off again. But it's surprising to see them where they are. Yes. Because they do have good players. Mountcastle, Mullins, uh, Mancini. Seems like a lot of M's. Austin Hayes. Not an M. Quite down. (laughs) But, like, they have good players here. But they didn't seem to have a team. They seem to have a decent team here. A a, a team of the right guys that is, you know, gives these Baltimore fans hope for the future. Yes. We're surprised that they are as where they are. Yeah. But, like, we do need to calm down. Yeah, no, I know. But hey, that but was that's fun. 46 and 46, three and a half out of the wild card spot at the moment. I have nothing to add because they were my most surprising team as well. Yeah. So Yeah, above 500 for the first time in, I think it was 2017. Yeah. Uh, first 10-game winning streak since 1999. Hell yeah, guys. Hell yeah, yeah. All right. For the next one, the last one, my most surprising performer has been Dansby Swanson of the Atlanta Braves. Now, not that he wasn't a serviceable good major league shortstop before this, because he was. But he, at age 28, as a top pick, has seemed to hit another level this year. He's hitting 294 with 15 homers and 53 runs batted in. Now, he's come back to, down to earth lately, the last 15 games, bound to 242. But this man was hot for a while. As I said, a number one overall pick in 2015, but plenty of uh, years in the bigs with Atlanta. He's been here since 2016, and he's never done anything like this. Um, In 2021, though, he did hit 27 homers, but he hit 248. He is now hitting 294 with a 353 on base with decent power and knocking in runs. He has hit a whole nother level. I don't know if it will last but he was kind of, when things were going wrong early in the season for Atlanta, he was kind of like the only thing that was keeping them afloat, it felt like, for like a week span. So Dansby Swanson has been my most surprising performer of the first half. 
All right, no, that's. He certainly surprised me. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree with all that. You know, he was a good player, not really a great player. It's, this kind of felt like it came out of nowhere a little bit. Yeah. But my most surprising performer, mm-hmm. something even staring at the stats right now, and I kind of I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Justin Verlander. Yeah, I know it has been crazy shocking. Um, and not to say like. I don't think that he could compete in his old age because he was competing all the way up until he had that surgery. But it's, that's the thing. It's the surgery. And the age. And the age. Mm-hmm. He, um, people wondered if he could do it, and he said, I'm going to try, and he's done more than that. So in 17 games this year, he's won 12. He's only lost three. He's got an ERA of 1.89. In 109 innings pitched, he's struck out 108. He's got a whip of 0.88. This man is having not only a bounce back season after Tommy John, not only defying the odds this season by simply pitching, he is one of the best pitchers in this league. Someone that, if it wasn't for Sandy Alcantara, (laughs) might be the best pitcher in the league. Um, At age 39, coming off of Tommy John. This man is a robot. There's no other explanation. He made the all-star team. Shocking. He's not going to play. But one of the questions coming into the season we had was Houston. And one of those big questions on Houston was Justin Verlander. He has answered every single one of them. And maybe I shouldn't be that shocked. Because he's pitched at this high level for so long. But man, I I can't think of any pitchers that have had Tommy John over the age of 35 that have been good. I can't really think of any either. I can think of a couple that have had it. Yeah, I can think of many who have had it and have been fine, but not at that age. I can't even think of it. Fine? I mean, Corbin came back and pitched pretty well after his first season back. Mm. Then he went to Washington, and after two years in Washington, it seems like at 31, he's over the hill. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, you know, most of the way, I think Bronson Arroyo was one of them. I think it was 37. Mm-hmm. I saw his name because I was, when I was researching Justin Verlander today. Because actually, I wanted to see if he had uh, Tommy John surgery before. I thought he did. He did not. Um, but uh, most of the situations of like, they, they come back, they try it, and it just, they you normally don't even last the season. I know. But Justin Verlander, and you know, maybe he won't last the season. Maybe his arm will fall off. But like, when it does, his season will end with great stats. Yeah. So... Justin Verlander, shocking, shocking the world. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that has been it for our awards of the first half. We are going to take our last quick break. I'm going to go in some bets I think are pretty decent odds and decent bets for the second half, and then we'll wrap it up with our Tommy and Darwin, as always. Stick with us, guys.
right, and we are back here with Slow Your Roll. And for our last segment here, giving my thoughts, some bets for you on the second half of the season. If you're that kind of person and you like betting futures, I like betting futures. So I'll give you four bets here for going in here now to the rest of the Major League Baseball season that I think are decent bets to make based on how likely I think they are to happen and what the Vegas odds are. So for the first one, we are going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals to win the National League Central. Right now, Vegas has that as a plus 175 odds, which means, obviously, if you bet $100, you can win 175 if it happens. Now, I like this bet a lot. Maybe my favorite one because I like them to win the division anyway. They are a plus 65 run differential. The Milwaukee Brewers, who are ahead of them, are at just plus 25. The Milwaukee Brewers have a terrible offense. People have known this for a while. They've got nice production for two weeks ago, it seemed, when they got hot out of Willie Adamas and some of these other guys, but Yelich hasn't been good for a while. Adamas still has a low average. I don't think there's a lot of proven bats in that lineup. The other thing is the Milwaukee Brewers depend a lot on their bullpen, and it's been the same arms for the last three or four years that they have worked really hard. At what point is that going to come back to bite them. They, they have put a heavy workload on Josh Hader for a while. They've put a heavy workload on Devin Williams for a while, and they still depend on these guys. Hader just blew a save not long ago. Milwaukee came in to the All-Star break limping a little bit, 3-7 in, in their last 10 games. And as I said, the Cardinals plus 65 on the run differential. Milwaukee just plus 25. The Cardinals just a half game back at the moment. And for the Cardinals, they don't have the same names in the pitching, but... If you look at the lineup between the kid Nolan Gorman, who has come on and done a beautiful job and was a top prospect, Paul Goldschmidt being just as good as he ever was, Nolan Arenado, Dylan Collison, and Tommy Edmond being about one of the most dependable, solid players in the game and a great producer in the lineup, I think the Cardinals have a pretty legitimate lineup, significantly better than the Brewers, and enough pitching to get by. Hopefully, Flaherty comes back soon. That'll make this all the better, but... At plus 175, I like the odds here for the Cardinals to win the division. Jesse Caulfield, do yeah. you have any pushback? Yeah, I don't like the Cardinals to win the division at all. You hate the Cardinals, though. Um, I don't hate them. They're just, <laughs> well, A, they're boring. Um, but, like, I, they don't – their pitching is nothing special. The The most special thing about it is Adam Wainwright, and mm-hmm. he's old. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Matz worked out great. Um but like your entire hitting core is kind of relying on two people, both no, of which are old. No, Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, and Tommy Edmond are all good. They don't do anything. Edmond bats two fifty nine with thirty three RBIs. So he hits near the top of the lineup. Batting two fifty nine. Oh, whatever. What about Nolan all right, Gorman? Kike Hernandez over there. What about Nolan Gorman? None of them pro- like produce. Go look at Gorman's stats. I've been looking at their stats. Gorman two forty one. Oh. 22 RBIs. Oh, man. He hasn't been there the whole season. Oh, wow. Okay. How many home runs? Nine. He hasn't been there the whole season, dude. Okay, he's still batting 241. That's still pretty good, especially in today's day and age. Eh. But, like, you're relying on a 31-year-old and a 34-year-old to carry this offense. Okay. It's not. It's not really working. And they're, they're falling off. No. They're not. Yeah, they kind of are. They did a little bit, and now they've righted the ship, and Milwaukee's the one falling off. 
The nah, half game behind Milwaukee. I, I said, like, when July July breaks, it's going to be at two games. When August breaks, it's going to be at four. Okay. And it's going to, it's going to, it's like I said, Milwaukee's just going to slowly get away from them. All right, we'll see. Fine. Whatever. Whatever. All right. For the second bet, for the Major League second half that I like the odds at are, the Atlanta Braves to win the National League East. Right now, the Vegas odds have it at plus 130, but I really like the Atlanta Braves. Um, plus 72 run differential. They find themselves two and a half games back of the Mets. But I think the Mets, a lot of fool's gold offensively. I think they've been doing performing over their head. I know Scherzer and DeGrom are back. But other than Scherzer and DeGrom, is Atlanta not better than the Mets pretty much everywhere? And they have a lot of good young starting pitching. Plenty of it was highly regarded, too, so it's not out of nowhere, that are all producing between Strider, Kyle Wright, then you have Charlie Morton, who had such a disastrous start to the season, but he's been pretty good now ever since. Um, They have a solid starting rotation that is pretty deep. I think it's a rotation that can match up with the Mets pretty well. And they have an offense that is significantly better than the Mets. Michael Harris, a top prospect, has done nothing but hit since bringing him up. You have Acuna, you have Matt Olson, you have Austin Riley, you have Dansby Swanson. So I think they can hit everywhere in this lineup. Eddie Rosario has always been a consistent performer. I like, at plus 130 being the Vegas odds, I like the chances of the Atlanta Braves being able to overtake the Mets. I think they are top to bottom a better team than the New York Mets. So if Vegas is going to be plus 130 on the odds... I like those odds. I think they're pretty good. Mm. Jesse? I don't know. Uh, the, the Mets are getting healthy again. And I if if DeGrom can stay healthy, I, I don't think Scherz is going to have problems. Like, Scherz is he's old, but, like, he's never had injury problems. So, um, I it's going to be a dog fight, I think. But I also think the, I think the Mets. Um, I think Stevie is willing to spend big at the deadline. And I don't know if the Braves are. Okay. I think they'll spend at the deadline, you know, especially mm-hmm. if they're still competing. I don't think, and I don't think they'll fall off in the next two weeks. Um, but like, I, I, I don't know. Okay. I don't. I, I just, I'm not that confident about that. Mm. Okay. That's I just, fine. I like the Braves, but I don't know. The Mets are just surprising me this year. Okay. That's time fine. and time again. That's fine. That's fine. All right. For the next one. So, for my third bet of the second half of the Major League season, I have the Minnesota Twins to win the American League Central. Now, this is on the more even odds than the last two that I've given. Vegas has it at just plus 107 at the moment. So, not the best odds, but there's nobody else in this division that has really shown me any signs of life. The White Sox got hot for a short stretch, then played the Twins, and the Twins beat them right back down smacked them around. They won two of the three, but they won two of them in pretty convincing fashion. They have played well head-to-head with Chicago. Chicago has a minus run differential. The Twins are the only ones with a double-digit positive run differential in the division. The Guardians are plus five. That is it. The Twins are plus 28. I think they have plenty of proven guys here that have been good, some kids that have done well. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just don't see a lot of other signs of life in this division at all. So I think it's a pretty good bet to have the Twins winning the Central. Hmm. I guess my pushback there would be you're willing to bet on the Minnesota Twins. That's bold. 
Uh, okay. Trust in the Twins. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but but you're not even a White Sox fan. Has anyone else in that division shown you enough life to make you think anyone's overtaking them? No. So, but I've seen enough from the Twins that know that anybody could. Why? They usually win the Central. They just lose against the Yankees in the playoffs. Do they usually win the Central? I think they do. Historically. I feel like the Central has been the one that's most been kind of all over the place. Like they, I, I still think historically mostly it's been the Twins. At least lately. In the early 2000s and 2010s. I guess. And then a few years the White Sox and I mean, they were like good that. in the 90s. That's true. All right. Can I borrow your thing for this next one? What, this thing? Yeah, my phone died. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hold on. Let Just me get, set it up for me. Get, let me get to the Because this, this next one that I have, my fourth and last one, is probably the most bold. I was wondering what you were doing. I thought you were trying to rob me on during the show. <laughs> and and the most, and the me, and the most, like, Dom, are you ever going to let this die and get over it? I'm not going to. Okay? I'm not going to. Because if Vegas is going to give me this good of odds, I will not let this die. If Vegas is going to give me this good of odds... I'm going to take it. So Toronto now is a plus 650 to win the American League pennant. After being probably just like a plus 250 to start the season. And here's why I love this bet so much. The White, the Sox are in free fall a little bit and physically beat up. Toronto, as bad as they've been, firing a manager, they're still in a playoff spot. Okay, So today, they'd still be in a playoff spot. Likely, I think they're going to play a lot better. And here's the thing with Toronto. I think they have underperformed. Barrios was terrible to start the season. Now he started to right the ship. You expect Barrios to be more of what he has been throughout his entire career. And come playoff time, the Toronto Blue Jays can throw out Kevin Gossman, who's been great all season, 2.87 ERA. Gossman has only allowed three home runs all season. Mm. Isn't that an amazing stat? Three yeah. home runs all season. And he's not an all-star. I know, right? It's not one of those 80 men. I don't know how. <laughs> um, then Alex Manoa, who has been one of the best pitchers in the American League, period, 10-4, and 2.28 ERA, and a .96 whip. And then for that third starter, they can throw out Jose Barrios, who has historically throughout his career been a very solid number two starter. They have an offense that you feel like still can bang with just about anyone, with Springer, Hernandez, uh, Vladdy, and... Uh, who am I forgetting? Bichette and Bo Bichette, right? And Alejandro Kirk, the catcher, who has come on and had a great season this year. So they have the offense to seem like they can bang with anyone. And three real legit starting pitchers at the top of the rotation. So in short series, which is what the playoffs are, and at plus 650 odds, I think that the Jays are still in prime position that they could win the American League pennant. I think you could make the argument they are better set up for the playoffs than they are the regular season and better set up for the playoffs than a lot of these other teams, particularly the Yankees, in my opinion. Because other than Garrett Cole, I don't think they quite... I think the Yankees have a lot of good and a lot of consistent, but I don't know if they have elite starting pitching at the top other than Cole to throw out you in short series. So I like the way the Jays are equipped in the playoffs. And at plus 650, I don't think that's a bad bet to throw some money on. Tom, you lost money this year on the Jays. Get over it. <laughs> what, what about that? What about what I said was factually incorrect? Uh, I'm not sitting here saying they're going to do it. But if you're going to give me plus 650 odds, I think this team is a lot better, especially playoff time with the way that they're constructed. 
I think that they, uh, at those odds, I think those are pretty good odds to take. Hmm. So if you bet $100, you win 650 Yeah. So you win 550 no. Oh my God. You don't know how this stuff works. You no, because you spent a hundred. No, you getting no, you get your. Back, you always so. get your hundred back. It's six fifty in just profit. Mm. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. It's five fifty in profit. Oh my God, you're not getting it. No, you're not getting it. No, because you you're spent. And you oh guess. No, you get. Okay. It. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Listen. No, shut up. I know what you're saying. If you spend a hundred dollars and you get a hundred back, you do not make a hundred dollars profit. No, it's I know. Only everything above that, which means you make five fifty profit. They give you a check for seven fifty. But you make you said six fifty, first of all. No. And then you spend a hundred dollars. You oh, said I'm sorry. They they give you a check. <laughs> they would give you a check for seven fifty. You said six fifty. No, six fifty is just the money you win back. That's okay, so you win six hundred. Now you're changing the answer. No, I'm not. You win six hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. What are the odds? Your check will be seven fifty because they are returning the one hundred that you spent. But either way, so if there's, if I'm a hundred dollars right, right. less in my bank account, you change the you change the numbers. Whatever. Week. Either way, the profit is oh is only once you reach the hundred dollar threshold. Then everything after that is profit. That's, okay. That's the point. You're not okay. listening to that. But if the stop changing the numbers. But if the check that they give you is seven hundred and fifty dollars. But if you bet a hundred, you then make six fifty profit. That's what I said. Plus six. No, you changed a whole bunch of numbers. No, on me. the odds are plus six fifty, bro. Yeah, you changed it all. All, all these right, numbers. You don't. You don't gamble. You're <laughs> But you're right. I'm smart with my money. I've won a lot of money gambling this year. Until you don't. You again. Listen, do I need do and yet, we, and yet do, we you, need, do we need to make this do we need to make this like a commercial? If you made so much money, why do you still owe me money? I can give you it right now if you want. I mean, not on the show. <laughs> <laughs> because remember I was supposed to see you that Friday and then I didn't give you it. I did see you that Friday though. <laughs> I know, I just forgot you didn't remind me. But anyway, we're going no, to because I'm not that Do I need to give a disclaimer here? All right. People, be responsible with your gambling. <laughs> You never bet your rent money. You don't bet any of your bills. You don't do those things. Please right. gamble responsibly. Right. <laughs> if you have a problem, call whatever hotline it is. <laughs> I have an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> ABCs. Have... Whatever. What? I don't know. The stupid letters sometimes at the end of phone numbers that they put on. Like. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call 1-800-I-have-a-gambling-problem. Right. All right? Jeez. All right, with that, we are ready to wrap up the show for the week. Jesse gambled my rent away. Yeah, go to igambledmyrentaway.com. Now, with that, Jesse Caulfield, take it away. Tommy Report. All right, I have to, I have to get a, a. He had a quote. Yes. This week. So, I mean, he retired this year. I don't know if you heard, but then he didn't. I don't know if you heard. I don't know where you stand on this. Maybe you still think he retired. Maybe you never heard any of it. I don't know. But like now, you're caught up. So. I mean, that leads to speculation, right? Mm-hmm. What's he going to do next year? Probably retire then, right? Mm. Oh, man. Like, but he at one point he said, I want to play to 50. What yeah. is it, Tom? Well, he put a quote out there to make it more ambiguous for you. So here it is. Uh, he was asked about that, th- like, hey, that quote about you said you want to play to 50. Now you talk about time. And, and he, um, 
uh, asked if he knows, but the question was then, do you know when you're done with football? And he said, I really don't. Mm. I would say it's year to year. Could be this. Could could this be my last year? Absolutely. Could I change my mind? Absolutely. I realized I don't have five years left. I want to do it in my way. I want to give it everything I got and see where I am. My body feels really good. I've had a lot of traumatic injuries over the years, but uh, but if things go really smoothly and we win, that'd be great. What he means by this is he doesn't want to give up the chance that he can play in Miami with Sean Payton <laughs> and be a part-time owner of the Dolphins. Not with Sean Payton. No, that was the rumor. No, I know that was the rumor, but like they just hired what's his face. And if they're I med- mean, maybe if it's a disaster this year, maybe they'll fire him. If they're mediocre and Tom Brady wants to come to Miami and Sean Payton wants to coach for Miami, they will fire no. McDaniels in seconds uh, I don't know. and Tommy will get as much percentage of the franchise as he wants do you, you think with that loss that that lawsuit that no one talks Ross about is going to be like I'm a Michigan guy I give all sorts of money to the Michigan Wolverines this is the greatest player is Sean that has ever played for the Michigan Wolverines <laughs> I will make sure I have Brady here I will have him part owner of the franchise and I will give Mr. Brady he's going to give Mr. Michigan Wolverine Everything he wants. So, yes. Okay. If Brady wants it to happen, Tommy, it's going to happen. But they couldn't make it happen this year. Yeah, because they had to deal with Brian Flores suing Miami. And I do think Sean Payton wanted a year off. Hmm. Oh, and also, like, Tom couldn't get out. And, yeah, Bruce Arians came out. Five first-round picks. (laughs) Five first-round picks. (laughs) That's the asking price. Hmm. Okay. He really, he really, Bruce Arians was really the one that got Brady back. Because uh, Brady was ways, hoping, yeah. and Arians came out with that public comment, and it was like, oh, this isn't happening. He was both the thing that made him run away, but sh- I, in some ways, yeah, he's probably the thing that brought him back. Yeah, because I, Tom I, wasn't going to stay away, and Bruce wasn't going to leave. Yeah, but he, he wanted to be moved. He wanted to go there, and <laughs> then Bruce came out with five first rounds. <laughs> five first rounds. At, at, at uh, least. <laughs> Guaranteed, one hundred percent. So, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, no, never mind. That's not happening." All right. Uh, so that has been it for the Tommy report. Now yeah. on to the Darwin. Drum roll. You're not videotaping it, are you? No, I was just trying to remember what it was that okay. I remembered. <laughs> All right, ready? Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is the Red Sox front office. Yay. For going into the season saying, and continuing throughout the season, no matter the injuries and no matter what happened and no matter what was on the horizon, saying, we'll be fine. Chris Sale comes back in the middle of the year. That's like adding an arm at the deadline. Let's just bank on that. Let's get Michael Walker and Rich Hill, 42-year-old Rich Hill, and injury-pwned Michael Walker. It'll be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And now we've hit this point in July. The entire starting rotation is gone. The return of the king, the savior, Chris Sale. Five and two-thirds innings, line drive off his hand, broken finger, out. For however long it seems. So there goes your one thing that you banked on, plus all the other guys you brought in who are injury prone. Absolutely fantastic by the Red Sox front office. To have absolutely no real backup plan and think that they could just go through things knowing they'll get the one guy back and just be fine with that. And that's how it goes. So kudos, 
congrats to the Red Sox front office for thinking just that little bit would be enough for your pitching staff. You deserve all of this. Mm. Jesse, do you have some thoughts? Uh, There's not much to add to that. <laughs> but it's just like, we crap on John Henry a lot. We've done it today in the show. Yeah. Um, but it's almost kind of worse now. Like, they, they seem, they're Colorado-like. Yeah. Let's just, let's be good enough to sell tickets and just get by. Mm-hmm. Um, a little more higher standard than that. Yeah. But it's like that. And it's even worse because we sit there and we point the finger at John Henry. But it's a little worse than that. It's not just John Henry. No. John Henry's sitting there in a room with several other billionaires who are also not spending money on this team. Mm. But could. LeBron could. Yeah. He owns part of the team. Mm-hmm. But like, no. Soccer. <laughs> European soccer. Chris Sale will be back. We'll be just fine. Yeah. We already spent that money. Yeah. On one guy with the weirdest delivery of all time who weighs... Oh, of all time. <laughs> Not maybe of all time, but... Dontrell Willis just walked in the room, people. <laughs> he has something to say about that. <laughs> That's true. That's a good one. But a guy who clearly mechanically didn't seem like he'd last forever and I don't think has really any muscle or fat on <laughs> <laughs> He's all skin and bones. Yeah, he needs to drink his milk. He really does. But to think that you could just bank on that plus the guys that you had brought in who were already injury-prone and think that that was going to be just fine. Shocker, you've reached this point in the season, and now your entire starting rotation is on the DL. Other than Eovaldi, who just came back from the DL. Yeah. And Pavetta, who never went on it. But other than those two, everyone's gone. So. (laughs) Yeah. Solid plan, Sox front office. Solid plan, Bloom. Well, there is at least a backup plan. What? At some point, James Paxton's coming back. That's like adding another arm at the deadline. (laughs) (laughs) Someday. He's going to be back in October. (laughs) For the Uh, one wild card game. Oh, man. I know, right? All right. That has been it for Slow Your Roll this week. Let's see how the Home Run Derby goes, All-Star Game, and get ready for the second half of Major League Baseball action. All right? See how my bets age. I think at least two of them will hit.